I'm Buddy Earls with the Wrecking Crew Ranch in Rado and Spata, Texas, and you're listening to the latest news in Texas, Agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello Texas, we are back once again with another edition of Texas Ag Today. Jump on in with me, buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the cattle on feed report released last week had a big surprise in it. The placements number came in much higher than expected, and that caused a fairly strong market reaction in Monday's trade following the release of the report. We'll take a closer look at that cattle on feed report and what may have caused that big surprise coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. A special celebration in Amarillo as the new Texas Tech University School of Veterinary Medicine is off and running, responding to the need for veterinarians to serve rural Texas. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Sugar producers are looking towards the next farm bill in 2023 and the priorities for the sugar industry. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. The Coastal Bend area continues to be dry and the heat is coming on. This is Harvey Buring reporting from the Corpus Christi area. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. USDA released their monthly cattle on feed report on Friday. USDA livestock analyst Shale Shagum runs down the on feed, placements, and marketing numbers in the report. The number of cattle on feed on April 1st was just over 12.1 million head, which was about 2% above a year ago. During March, producers placed just under 2 million head of cattle on feed, which was about four-tenths of a percent below a year earlier. And during March, feedlots marketed about 2 million head of cattle, which was about 2% below a year ago. And it was that placements number that surprised everyone. The pre-report estimates were calling for placements to be about 8% below a year ago. Instead, it was less than 1% below. Oklahoma State University Livestock Marketing Specialist Daryl Peel says this may once again be the drought causing big numbers of cattle to be moved into feedlots. The biggest increase uh, state-level placements was in Nebraska, and uh, they were up about 7% year over year. Texas was down. Oklahoma was down pretty much in line with the pre-report expectations. I suspect what we're seeing is is direct movement of cattle off of some larger ranch operations, places like Nebraska that are moving straight from a ranch into a feedlot. We don't always have a good indication of those until after the fact, and, and I think that might be what we're seeing here. Both live and feeder cattle futures took a big drop on Monday in response to the report. 
What they see is a big week for the cattle industry in Washington. Both the Senate and House Agriculture Committees are holding hearings that affect cattle producers. On the Senate side, they're taking up the cattle marketing reform bill pushed by Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley and Nebraska Senator Deb Fisher. This is the bill that would mandate that packers buy a certain percentage of fed cattle on the cash market. The Agriculture and Food Policy Center at Texas A&M released a study last week on the impact of this bill. Dr. Bart Fisher worked on that study, and he says if this bill is implemented, it will mostly affect us here in the Southern Plains. You know, absolutely. The burden would fall primarily on the Southern Plains. Really, you've got the, the Texas, Oklahoma, New Mexico region, but then also Kansas would be in, uh, affected as well. I mean, the, the least impact is coming you know, primarily out of the Midwest, Iowa, Minnesota region has a very negligible uh, negligible impact. So uh, that's where the proposals are originating. Uh, but the greatest impact would be you know, felt in, in our part of the world. Over on the House side this week, they're holding a hearing that features the CEOs of the four major meatpacking companies. The meatpacking industry has come under fire from the White House recently for the large increase in retail meat prices. There was a special celebration held in Amarillo to mark the grand opening of the Texas Tech School of Veterinary Medicine. James Hunt was there. In Amarillo, to cut the ribbon for the new Texas Tech University School of Veterinary Medicine, Governor Greg Abbott offered a little history, pointing out that last fall's opening of the Texas Tech Vet School came a long time after the state's first vet school was opened. It was in 1916 when Texas had about 4.5 million residents in the entire state. At that time, the leaders of the state of Texas thought that there was a need for the state of Texas to finally have a veterinarian school. And they established one back in 1916 at Texas A&M. And in the more than a century since, Governor Abbott says Texas has added about 25 million more residents and a lot more animals. In short, it is past time for Texas to add a second veterinary school in our great state. Among those at the ceremony, Texas Farm Bureau President Russell Baining, who says getting a new vet school was in keeping with Farm Bureau's longstanding goal of expanding veterinary education in Texas. We did what we could with the legislature. It just made sense to our members, our producers out there, because everyone knows, especially in rural Texas, there's a shortage of veterinarians. And Baining says Texas Farm Bureau will help further. We have some scholarship programs that we're going to offer to third and fourth year veterinarians, whether they be at Texas A&M or whether they be at Texas Tech. Texas Tech Vet School Dean Guy Lana Reagan says there are 63 students in the school's inaugural class in a four-year program that culminates in a Doctor of Veterinary Medicine degree. We've got a few years until this first class graduates in May of 2025, and we can't wait, but they are doing really well, and we will make an impact. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas sugarcane farmers are preparing for another farm bill debate. Tom Nicoletti has that story. My guest today is Jennifer Cervantes. She is with the Texas and Florida sugarcane industry, and there are 440,000 acres of sugarcane in Florida, 40,000 acres of sugarcane in the Texas Rio Grande Valley. And Jennifer, these farmers are relying on the next farm bill when that gets written and uh, eventually passed in 2023. What are those priorities for the sugarcane producers uh, in the next farm bill? Our priority is to make sure that sugar policy works 
tracks for all of the producers, whether it's sugar cane or sugar beets in this country. In the 2018 Farm Bill, the sugar policy, which is in Title I of the Farm Bill, is a standalone policy that applies to both sugar cane and sugar beets. We were uh, happy with the policy as enacted in the Lost Farm Bill and currently reviewing the current situation, both in beet and cane industries, as to what we may need to have done to the policy to make it more effective. What about issues in sugarcane fields, such as labor and uh, the input costs that uh, sugarcane farmers in uh, Texas and Florida are enduring at this time? Much like the rest of the agriculture community, uh, fertilizing input costs, getting parts, the availability uh, is, is very important, and it's coming to the forefront more every day as we look towards the current crop, which actually in Texas and Florida we're still harvesting, so we're a little bit different than other commodities. So that is definitely something that we're going to be looking at as we go into the next farm. Just like other uh, farmers, uh, you deal with uh, conditions out of your control. Weather in Florida, we had a freeze in January, which affected some of the crop. As we get through the harvest uh, this spring, we'll be looking to those challenges and getting ready for the next year's harvest, which will begin in October. That is Jennifer Cervantes. She's with the Texas and Florida Sugarcane Industry. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The heat is on in the coastal bend of Texas as dry weather continues. Harvey Buring has an update from Corpus Christi. Well, drought and dry weather is certainly present here in the coastal bend, and we know that the coastal bend region doesn't have a monopoly on that situation here in Texas, but we've had a very dry and windy winter and spring, and that means that our range and pasture areas continue to be brown. There hasn't been any spring green up in many locations. In fact, uh, grass burrs and burr clover haven't even had enough moisture to germinate in a lot of these pastures this year. And that has not been a good situation for livestock producers. And our farming community, being dry land producers, are certainly feeling the pinch as well. Now all of the cropland acres have been planted. Producers, as we reported in our last program, who grow cotton have been holding off until right before the deadline to get that cotton seed in the ground, hoping for improved moisture. That did not materialize, and there now waits thousands of acres of cotton planted, but no moisture to germinate the seed. Ironically, cotton futures here are at their historic highs, but coastal bend cotton producers may not even see a crop emerge to try to capture some of that wonderful price that is being offered for the crop this year. Now, corn fields are certainly showing the stress of midday heat, and grain sorghum Fields did emerge, many to some erratic and skippy stands, but a good soaking rain could still salvage those crops. Cattle body condition continues to decline with these situations where poor to very poor pastures exist, and many ranchers have been in the process of weaning calves at a lighter weight and culling those older cows. But if there's not rainfall occurring here in the latter part of April and the first part of May, there will be larger numbers of cattle moving into the sale barns as producers have exhausted their hay supplies and can no longer afford to keep those cattle fed and in good condition without a blessing from some serious rain that brings on regrowth in the pastures. Reporting from the Coastal Bend area, this has been Harvey Buring. 
the number of chronic wasting disease cases in Texas rose in 2021. I'm Jessica Dommel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And researchers recently found a link between horses' hair patterns and their behavior. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Wildfires swept across central and west Texas in March, burning over 86,000 acres. Fires devoured pasture land and farmland, as well as livestock, homes, barns, and equipment. The Texas Farm Bureau West Texas Wildfire Relief Fund is ready to help. Farmers and ranchers with unreimbursed agricultural losses are encouraged to apply for assistance. Monetary contributions to the fund are also being accepted. Go to texasfarmbureau.org to learn more. That's texasfarmbureau.org. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Researchers have recently found a link between horses' hair patterns and their behavior. Dr. Bob Judd takes a look at the study. Researchers in Brazil have found that the genomic regions responsible for whorls in the horse's hair can also have an effect on neurological function and behavior. For those unfamiliar, a whorl is a swirl of hair growing in the direction opposite the other hair in the area and has also been called a cowlick. The researchers studied 342 quarter horses and genotyped their partial genomes to find candidate genes, and they found genetic so-called windows likely related to various traits that explained up to 80% of the whorl genetic differences in individual horses. It has already been reported that horses with whorls above the eye line are more difficult to handle in comparison to the ones with whorls in the eye line or below. Whorl traits are behavior associated. The genetic windows included many genes related to hair follicle growth, and some of these genes had neurological and behavior functions. For example, one gene appeared to be associated with whorls on the head, and in humans, this gene controls hair follicle repair, but also can be related to chronic schizophrenia. The researchers were actually not surprised at their findings and indicate it is possible further studies may find that certain whorls may be related to performance traits, such as racing, jumping, or dressage. Genetic tests could be developed to select for certain traits. So when you look at your horse and see the whorls of hair, realize that the location of these whorls could be related to your horse's behavior. And we may find in the future that it may be able to select horses for certain traits due to the location of their hair whorls. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The number of chronic wasting disease cases in Texas rose last year. Jessica Domel has more in today's wildlife report. The number of white-tailed and mule deer that tested positive for chronic wasting disease has risen. Alan Kane, white-tailed deer program leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, said 21 deer tested positive for the fatal neurological deer disease in 2021 in the first part of 2022. Four of those positives came from Medina County area, that's South Central Texas, eight from the Trans-Pecos, eight from the Northwest Panhandle area, and then one of those in Lubbock. 
The positive cases in the Panhandle, Lubbock, and Transpecos were all mule deer, except for one whitetail in the Panhandle. All of the positive cases in Medina County were whitetail deer. The number of overall CUE cases actually increased in 2021, and that was due to a number of captive facilities. We had a facility or a couple of facilities in that Uvalde area where it had a significantly large number of positives, over 115 or so. And then we had some positive breeding facility in Hunt County, as well as some trace out facilities from those in Matagor and Mason County. And then we had another positive in Kimball County. CWD was first found in Texas in 2012. Since that time, there have been 363 positive cases here. 83 of those are free ranging deer, 254 of those are CBD positives that occurred in captive breeding facilities, and then 26 of the total, uh, 363, were from captive release sites, release sites associated with captive CBD-positive herds. Again, those 363 positive cases are cumulative from our first case found in Texas in 2012 up until now. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The live cattle market managed to take back some of the losses that we had on Monday, but feeder cattle closed lower. We'll take a look at all of Tuesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. On the Texas Ag Calendar, livestock producers in the Kerr County area have the Kerr County Ranch Field Day coming up Tuesday, May 24th at the Hill Country Youth Event Center in Kerrville. County Extension Agent Justin Klinzik is with us. And Justin, what will be happening at the Kerr County Ranch Field Day? I'm going to start the day out with proper weaning techniques for cattle, sheep, and goats and how that kind of benefits marketability. going to discuss impacts of proper grazing and overgrazing. Morgan Livestock Equipment is going to bring in a mobile working pen, and we're going to get to do some live cattle handling and demonstrations with that. Dr. Joe Passel is going to talk about the benefits of pregnancy testing and demonstrate the IDEX alert pregnancy blood test. And we're going to round out the day with Dr. Sonia Swiger from AgriLife Extension, and she's going to talk about parasite control and livestock. The Kerr County Ranch Field Day coming up May 24th. If you need more information, call the Extension Office at 830-257-6568. If you'd like to have your agricultural event featured here on the Texas Ag Calendar, just shoot me an email, cmartin, C-M-A-R-T-I-N, at txfb.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We saw a mix close in the cattle complex on Tuesday with live cattle closing higher, feeder cattle close lower. April live cattle up 90 cents to close in an even 140 June up 82 cents, 136.25, while August live cattle were up 95, closing at 138.27. Lower feeder cattle market, April feeders down 35, 156.20. May feeders down 57 at 160.72, while August feeder cattle dropped $1.35, 136.50. 
173.15. Cash-fed cattle market kicked off the week on Tuesday. We saw sales here in the Southern Plains at 140 on a live basis. That's fully steady with last week's market. When you look up north, Nebraska and Iowa, they sold cattle at 145 to 146 live. That's steady to a dollar higher compared to last week. Boxed beef was mixed Tuesday. Choice down 98 cents at 265.62. Select up 77, 257.29. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. There's auctioneer Troy. They sold them in uh, Lexington on Saturday. Russell Heller and crew. Russell, talk to us about the sale. Let's walk the pens. Esther had a nice sale, 1,077 total head with 148 cows. Packer cows, thin ones, 35 to 56. Better cows, 57 to 91. On the steering bull calves, 3 to 400 pounds, 120 to 230. 4 to 5 weights, 115 to 215. 5 to 6 weights, $1.10 to 198. 6 to 7 weights, $1.05 to 170. 7 to 8 weights, $1 to 163. On the heifers, 3 to 400 pound heifers, 115 to $2. 4 to 5 weights, $1.10 to 190. 5 to 6 weights, $1.05 to 165. 6 to 7 weights, $1 to 150. 7 to 8 weight heifers, 95 to $1.40. Have you received any moisture yet? No, sir. It's cloudy and the uh, wind started blowing. Uh, nothing yet. Hopefully, we'll get something. Do you know of anything for this next Saturday's sale? Yes, I do. One man's going to have about 30 black calves, and another one's going to have about 30 or 40 Charlotte cross calves. Good. These will be new crop calves? Yes, sir. Right off the cows. All right. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you. All right. You can get me on my cell, and that number is 979-820-7002. We appreciate it, and we'll talk with you on Friday. Thank you, Larry. Thank you, Russell. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Neighbor, I'm Larry Marble here in Central Texas, reporting for Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs took a big drop on Tuesday. May hogs dropped 260 to close at 105.20. June hogs down 285 at 111.17. Class 3 milk was mixed. April milk unchanged 24.32 a hundredweight, while May milk was down 2 at 24.66 a hundred. The cotton market finished higher. Hot, dry weather here in West Texas helping to support prices, but a strong dollar keeping a lid on any gains. July cotton up 27 points, closing at 135.68. The October up 47, 124.83, while December cotton was up 43 points, 118.71. The corn market continuing to get support from planting delays in the Midwest. Nationwide, only 7% of the corn crop now planted. That is behind the 15% five-year average pace. May corn up three cents, closing at 8.03 and a quarter. July corn up three and a half, 8.01 and a half. While September corn was up eight and three quarters. 760 and a quarter. Both hard and soft wheat making gains in Tuesday's trade. July Kansas City wheat up 11 and a half, 1164 and a half. July Chicago wheat up 22 and a half at 1095 a bushel. In the energy markets, May natural gas was up a nickel, 672. June crude oil up 296 at 10150 a barrel. The financial markets sharply lower on Tuesday afternoon. The Dow dropping 711 points, 33,343. The NASDAQ down 463 points at 12,543. The S&P down 104 at 4,191. 
That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name is Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.